Hi friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process podcast. We've been married 12 years, 11 good ones, and have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was five and am currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and real estate team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day, and we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. Well, hi, friends. Hi, friends. That's Adrian's line. <laughs> We're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, I am extremely excited uh, for what we're going to talk about today. But first, uh, before you jump into our topic, let's recap our gratitude challenge. Let's. So it's been a couple of weeks since we ended our gratitude challenge, but we know that a few people started late. So yeah. what was the challenge, babe? 22 days, three items a day, and why? 22 days, three items a day, and why? And, and on paper and, and in a written form, and, if, and we have an extra bonus item for you that you do not want to miss. Do you want to tell them what it is? I don't know what it is. It is a love. It's going to be the first. It's going to be the first seven or eight. But it's a love the process. Well, hold on. If they complete it and they take a picture and they send it to us, we told them they were getting a T-shirt. Well, they're going to get a T-shirt and. I don't know what the and is. A wooden love the process plaque. Like on love the process. Like on our podcast, <laughs> like the one, it's not going to look the same because there's only one of those. They're all handmade by a friend of ours at Little Lines. <laughs> but the first seven are going to get one of those. The first seven to do what? To submit their gratitude challenge to us. Okay. How? How do they submit it? Email john at lovetheprocess.com or adri at lovetheprocess, adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N-E at lovetheprocess.com or okay. both of us or tag us on Instagram sure that works social media <laughs> any other way nope okay you can go to my social media actually if you want and go to um, my Instagram handle John file J-O-H-N-P-F-E-I-L and click on call and, and you could just text me a picture of it if you'd like uh, that's my cell number right there Okay. Cool. So John had an awesome experience recently where he got to travel with some friends from work. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you did? Yeah, very recently. Uh, I just re- just returned last night from the country of Haiti. Uh, for those who don't know, Haiti is, is uh, in the Caribbean, and, and it's okay if you don't. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know where it was up until just recent before our trip. But uh, it's a country in... Uh, in the Caribbean, it, it's next to the Dominican Republic. Um, in their capital city, Port-au-Prince, uh, there's over 10.5 million people. It's very dense um, uh, with population in, in that area. It's absolutely gorgeous in terms of where it's situated and in terms of its climate and in terms of its people. I was very impressed with uh, the heart of the Haitian nation. And, uh, and <laughs> did you I just come up with that. I did. I did. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, it, it was, uh, it was a trip that came about, uh, serendipitously, if that's even a word, I think I said that right. Um, it came about through, 
uh, a friend of mine who I met with back in January who had been in Nicaragua. Uh, he went with a, an organization called Forward Edge, and it really had transformed him. And I could tell. And he was telling me about it. And, and, and what they had done is worked with uh, young women who had been caught up in, in, in sex trafficking. And they had worked to uh, provide them with a safe home. And so they were serving that safe home and, and helping uh, to provide more beds and, and more space for more girls uh, to get out of this uh, human uh, sex trafficking that was occurring in, in Nicaragua. So I assume that I told him I was in, I'd go on a trip. So uh, I assume what we were going to go to Nicaragua, uh, Forward Edge decided to, to launch uh, trips try to launch hips trips to Haiti. And so, um, I, I said, I'm in. And so we, we were on one of their first trips to Haiti and, um, and, and they had, uh, a mission to work with a community of people to both, um, indentured, they call it Restavix indentured kids to provide them with uh, support and education so they, they could get out of that, um, reality but they also sponsor kids uh, trying uh, in the community, provide them with education and opportunity. And so uh, we got a chance to, to go. We took three, um, including myself, we took four people from our team at ProStar. And uh, it, was a, it was a game-changing experience on, on so many fronts. I actually asked a lot of um, people on our trip, and I know you, Adrian and I, what's fun about this is I literally flew home last night. And so we have had some chance to talk about this, but you're all getting it kind of real time too. Uh, I've given her free reign to ask about my, my trip and my experience. Uh, but I also wanted to, to recognize that, uh, there was 11 people on this trip and they, uh, some of them really wanted to share some thoughts that they had as well. Uh, because it was, it was, I can't, uh, iterate more, reiterate more that it was a collective effort um, and, uh, and we were really, really moved by our experience and our time. And I have uh, great hope for the community and the, that we're in, in the country of Haiti, uh, based on my experience. So what were you told about the trip before you went on it? I was told when we were flying, I was told that we were going to Haiti and I was told that we would be relatively safe and, and, and that was, uh, you know, mainly it. I was told that they could use, that the community could use some sports equipment or, um, or things like that. Uh, toys uh, was kind of what they said to us. Uh, Brooklyn uh, Walker, who's on our team, uh, kind of her heart is, is sports and athletics. And so she um, thought it would be great if we could bring sports equipment uh, as our... Yeah, you guys rallied the community. And yeah. how much did, were you able to bring? We brought 400 pounds. We brought the most we could, that JetBlue would allow us to bring. You, you know, they allowed us to bring 100 pounds uh, to check in, check in per person. And so, uh, our community stepped up in a major way. And I'd like to say thank you to anybody in our community who's who's given, uh, who gave to that cause uh, and that effort. And uh, you know, we had like 100 pounds with a week to go, or 150 pounds maybe with a week to go. And uh, and I looked at our team and I, and I said, I, I promise you that we will, we will not regret trying to get all the way there and bring everything we can. And, and uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Arnie, Ars, Arnie Dixon, 
uh, provided us from All for Kids uh, 300 yo-yos. And the yo-yo man. The yo-yo man. And every kid in the community um, that was at the, the church that we went to um, that Sunday night uh, who were part of this Forward Edge community, uh, they each got a yo-yo. And that oh was really gosh, neat. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's awesome. It was really neat. And and so we got a chance to yo-yo with them and, um, and, and, and on and on. And, and I can tell you more about each individual experience, but... Okay, so before we get into like actually arriving, what ki- what type of expectations did you have, either for yourself or for your team before you got there? Yeah, you know, um, we had been to Uganda, uh, Adrian and I, and and so, and that was kind of one of your first times being in a third world country. It was. It was. It was my first Outside time. Outside of your Mexico, my senior, senior trip to trip. Puerto Vallarta. Hey, Viejo <laughs> Viejo Vallarta was frequented often by my, my, my class. And, uh, but yeah, you know, the outside of Puerto Vallarta, which was really, um, developed and, and, and kind of catering to tourism. Uh, the first time that I went and had the opportunity to see a third world country was when we went to Uganda in 2008. And, and so my expectation was kind of in that way of, of how my, I remember landing in Kampala in 2008 in Uganda and, and just the disparity, uh, between the United States and, and Uganda in terms of, of resources, in terms of electricity, in terms of simple things that are, I just completely take for granted, you know, running water, um, the infrastructure, um, it was, it was a completely mind blowing experience. Uh, when we landed in Uganda, the first two to three days, and then I, I started to get outside my comfort zone in those first couple of days. Uh, made a friend, Vincent, and um, you know, and Fred obviously as well, and, and Vicky, and and I really started to enjoy the Ugandan people. You know, I got a Ugandan soccer jersey. You know, we we got to stand on both sides of the equator. And then when we flew out of Uganda, the Kampala airport was like it had been totally redone. Yet it hadn't. It was the exact same airport. And and so that was my first experience of being kind of just shocked. And then um, and then on the way out going, this is just a different, they just, it's not different, it's not right or wrong or better or worse. It's just different mm-hmm. than the United States and what I grew up in. So I had that expectation to some degree, and and I had researched some Haiti. Of course, I did it the night before we left. Um, the night, and um, my friend Jim came over, and we watched some videos and read some things uh, about Haiti. Uh, certainly, they've had some protests that have been uh, pretty um, violent in in terms of their recent political elections, and and um, yet what I ended up thinking was this is a pretty this is a really poor country and from a standpoint of resources this is a really um they don't have much and uh so that was an expectation i had was i was i was going to go into a, a really um poor country and so those were my expectations okay so then fast forward you step out of the into the airport and then you travel to your final destination. 
Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah. So we, we fly through Boston, um, you know, and then we get into, uh, Port-au-Prince and, uh, it's probably one o'clock in the afternoon and it is a hustle and bustle, uh, of people wanting to help you move your, your luggage and, uh, to help you, uh, get to your vehicle, et cetera. But, but when, when I stepped out, the first thing that, that I really kind of hit me is you can tell that there, you can frankly tell that there is a lack of cleanliness, that, that there is, there is garbage, trash all over. And, um, and it's, it's kind of ex- just like lack of infrastructure to remove it. Is that totally. There's no reason to move. There's no reason to do anything with it. Cause there's no place for it to go. Uh, and, and so the other thing that really struck me was, um, was this idea of, of how, um, again, that lack of infrastructure, how there's really no, there's no drinking fountain. There's no, uh, place to go. You know, I wanted to watch the Seahawks game. And, and so I'm asking people, <laughs> where, where can I catch the game? And they're like, no, there's not a TV in the airport. Like there is, uh, there's, I didn't see, I did not see a working television the entire time that I was in Haiti. So that was that, you know, that, that was the, the airport's t- tiny and there's not a lot of people flying in or out of Haiti. Uh, they might've had four gates in the entire airport. And you're talking about a country of tens, 10 plus million people just in its capital city. Okay. So then you get to your destination, which was where, how far away from the airport were you and what type of a environment was it? So then we get in a 12 person van and, and we, uh, we start driving and, there, there is no, you know, Tijuana, Mexico for anybody who's been down there. It's, it's probably somewhat similar in the sense that it really is, uh, kind of organized chaos. You know, it's, uh, a lot of motorcycles in Haiti, uh, a lot of cars, a lot of things moving fast. Um, pedestrians never have the right of way. It is, uh, if you, and I learned that at the market later on that week, but you, you know, as we get out and we start driving, it starts to get darker and it's about a five hour drive and there's no light. There's no lights anywhere. And there, but there's people doing stuff and they're playing with one another in the dark. And, and what really struck me by this lack of infrastructure and this lack of electricity and, and like I say, lack of television and lack of, there wasn't a lot of kids playing on Xbox or, or, or whatever, is they were hanging out together in community. And, and, they, and, they, and, and they all were, um, none of them looked like it was uh, disturbing to them that there was no light. You know, and, and that, was, um, that was interesting to me. Because, you know, frankly, they probably uh, didn't know any different. But at the same time, uh, it showed me that lights are great. But man, lights, lights might also take a little bit of the community away. Right? Where you have to be together uh, 
And you have to work together to see your way around, to navigate. And, and that was interesting to me on the drive. So why don't you talk about that community piece a little bit more? Yeah. So we, um, we stayed in, in a house that has, uh, that a lady has lived at for a long period of time. And, and she, she'd been there since, um, the early eighties and she had a number of kids and some of them lived with her and some of them didn't, but they had a ton of other people that were always coming and going who were part of, part of the house and, and the community that was, um, was so special really. And the heart that was so special was the kids. I I was unbelievably, um, encouraged by the kids in Haiti and the way in which they welcomed us to Haiti, the way they welcomed us to their homes, the way they welcomed us into their world. And, and in, and in a way that they, they work together, uh, to, to make the household run. You know, they do everything manually. They, they have, uh, everything is a manual process. If, if the internet and the, the electric grid went down, the Hades, the Haitian nation would be just fine. They would not skip a beat. And, and so the, it, it, it's interesting because I believe the necessity to some degree of community and the necessity to work together that exists is one of the most beautiful things that I've seen. Let me tell you, um, let me read what. Um, yeah, while you're looking that for that, I think, I mean, that's kind of one of the, one of the main things that separates a first world country versus a third world country. Infrastructure. Infrastructure. I mean, but I think these days it's a lot of technology that you're right. If the technology went down in a lot of first world countries, a lot of people would be screwed. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Um, here is what, uh, here's what my friend, uh, Peter Kirby said. Uh, Peter, uh, is really the reason I went on the trip. So I want to read, you know, his thoughts. Uh, Haiti is a beautiful country filled with hardworking, God fearing, determined people. Well, we, we were only there a few short days. We were able to see past the trash poverty and lack of infrastructure to how proud the Haitian people were for what they did have. I'm certain that we made an impact on the children we were able to interact with. I am also certain that the children, their communities and the folks of forward edge in Haiti have made an impact on me, you know, and I think back to expectations and, and really even of what people, I didn't tell tons of people that we're going to Haiti unless I, you know, uh, I felt like you'd help us with sports equipment uh, because I was on a tight time frame. And so uh, I, I didn't make a lot of announcements, but the people that I did talk to about going to Haiti, the, the kind of the thought that I also had, and I got to be honest about, is I had this thought of, man, we're going to go help Haiti. We're going to go help this country uh, and their people. And, and the reality is, yes, in some spaces from a resource standpoint, we might be equipped to provide 
the things that, that, that Haiti can use to, to move forward in the next thing that they hope for and they dream for. But they don't need us. They don't need certainly our pity. They don't need our uh, kind of this, uh, and, and this is no individual, but it's, it's cert- that, that I talked with, so don't, nobody take this personally, but they don't need a, this idea of kind of this arrogance of, of, man, we know best. Because there's a lot of things that are happening in Haiti that are better from a, from a personal standpoint and an interpersonal standpoint. And, and frankly, from a happiness and a joy standpoint that were remarkable to me. Yeah. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's an interesting thought because there has been lately, there's been a lot of, I guess, arguments against short-term missions and that short-term missions actually cause more harm than they do help. What do you think about what's that? The, what's idea? Say more on that. What's the, what's the... So some of the arguments that I've heard, and we could do more research on this later mm-hmm. if we need to, but mm-hmm. some of the arguments that I have heard is that um, people leave to go on a short-term mission and assume that they're going to be helping. Totally. And then, you know, they come in and they maybe build a fence for a period of time. Yeah. We, so you build a fence. Yeah, we made a shitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... So, for example, the argument there latrine. is that latrine you made a latrine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the question is, well, does that take away from work that people could have <coughs> well, earned here, money? So totally, totally. <laughs> do, you, he, do you want to hear the arguments? Yeah, I do. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so the, some of the arguments, right, is that it takes away some of the work. It costs a lot of money to host people when they come. Um, and so sure, some people bring money into the situation, but in the long term, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't actually add or benefit because people are coming with their sort of assumptions that they're going to make a difference um, and that they leave feeling good about kind of the difference that they made. However, there's not sort of a long term. So I think that there's, I mean, there's arguments on the other side as well, right? That you change, you make the world smaller, you let people that haven't wouldn't normally be in those situations see those situations and then they're more likely to be able to help in the future so here, what are your thoughts on all that the, oh I, I got lots of them that's awesome so here's here's what i think on a couple of fronts that i can think about on this trip is is one totally agree with the idea of the work that needs to be done in a third world country like haiti does not need to be done by me. And, and, and it, it totally agree with that. And, and, and whether or not from an economic standpoint, uh, it's somebody else could have done the work and it would have been done differently, et cetera. I, I don't necessarily know, but I'll tell you one thing that I do believe is, is beautiful about people coming together from different cultures regardless of where they come if you come if we come with an approach of how can I best understand this culture how can I best learn about this country that I'm visiting and that's this is most people everybody's going to be listening to this from the United States so I, th- I believe that that really is useful and helpful and here, let me read, um, I'm going to read what, what Brooklyn Walker said on this. 
and and she had she's 22 years old has this is her first trip abroad uh this is her first trip certainly to any third world country and this is her take and i think so many of the folk so many people young people really want to go to a to a country aren't malibus like that like this idea of man we're going to go help them we're going to go help them we're going to go help them and and i i don't know about that i don't know that we're going to help just in in our ability to provide resources that lack or our ability to provide things that are not there because it, it it's it's just not likely very sustainable but she says this right sustainability i think that's the main argument is that there's not Sustain. I mean, here, I can read this quote real quick, and mm-hmm. then I think what Brooklyn has to say is going to bring it around nicely to some positive aspects. Yeah. Um, okay, so Robert Lupton in his book, Toxic Charity, writes, Contrary to popular belief, most mission trips and service projects do not empower those being served. Engender healthy cross-cultural relationships, improve quality of life, relieve poverty, change the lives of participants, or increase support for long-term missions work. So... I think, right, like the point there is that if it doesn't do all of those things, those are typically the reasons people would go on to a short-term mission. What yeah. are the, if it doesn't do those things, then what is what would some of the reasons we would want to yeah, well, support a mission be? Yeah, so so one, I'll read Brooklyn's comment here in a moment. I think, you you know, you've got to press into to the data and, and the realities of, you know, of actual what does change based on a given community. And, and also, um, I think so often we analyze these things in the very short term and, and we never quite know what ripple can be had by us having the courage to get kind of out of our comfort zone. And I think it has to come down to we're outside of our comfort zone and we're, we're looking for, um, how can we be useful in creating a partnerships with people towards what they hope for? And that's, that's just my belief is that, that, that when people come together culture, uh, across any culture and have a conversation about hope. And that's what I, that's, that's really what I, once I had been there for 12 hours, if that, my real goal was to find out what they hope for. My real goal was to ask people on the ground in Haiti, families and and kids, what their dreams were. Because I believe that dreams translate culture. I believe dreams are translate globally. I believe in the intrinsic ability for a kid to dream. And I think sometimes that the system that they're in, uh, whether it be of government or, or, or their environment or whatever can cause those dreams to, to start to die or to go away. But, but I believe if we can partner together towards what do people hope for, what do they dream for, man, that's a great place, I think, to start this, this conversation instead of the obvious, which is what we try to always solve is the resource, yeah. right? And that's what this guy's talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think too, yeah, I think also if... I mean, just like the, the quote we had talked about when we were talking about goals, where we had said that there was that study that was done where the people that had set the goals from that class were doing much better than the people that hadn't set the goals. Right. I imagine that people that have been 
to a third world country for some period of time have a different awareness and are doing different types of things than people that haven't. And I don't know any background or information from that except for my own experience. But my eyes are different because of the experiences that I've had overseas and because of the experiences that I've had in third world countries. And I, I believe that that like your idea of that empowers hope for it. I mean, definitely empowers hope for myself. It gives me a different perspective when I, when I want to make change. Um, but I hope that it also gives hope for them as well. And so I think, I mean, I want to leave that. I want to leave this sort of negative portion of the talk by just saying, I mean, it's, it's an, a good thing to be aware of if you are planning to go on a short-term mission on what's the organization that you're planning to go with. What are the, what, you know, taking a look at into that, um, what are the point, what are the purposes of you being there, I guess, and just being careful and aware that there are some, there are some organizations that are not doing it very, doing it very well or very healthily. Yeah, no question. I love that. And I, and again, I think just leaning into, it, it reminds me, I went to law school at Seattle U and it's got a, it's Jesuit school and it's got a social justice emphasis where they work to train the entirety of a student, right? Not just academically, but to be a person who can, like I like to say, win in space, but really a person who can holistically think about how can I provide a lift? How can I provide, if somebody is at this space and they hope for X, how can I provide that help to get that next stone? And I think that's that's the magic that can happen in our own communities. And that certainly is something that can it can be you can be open up to your awareness when you go travel outside of what I call you know the fishbowl of the first world. Um, this awareness of a lot of things that I was unaware of pre Uganda. You know, now we had the opportunity where the market economies were totally crashing and going berserk in two thousand eight. And, and, and my perspective, we literally walked out the door. We're walking out the door to get on the airplane. The moment everything was crashing. Yeah. And you can't get, I can't get on my Blackberry and sell it all. And, and we, we watched the stock market crash and, and we've been there for 10 days and we get back in town and you were going to go to a trip to Japan, mm -hmm. which got canceled because all travel got canceled for your company. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember looking at, um, people in my office and going, dude, we're going to be fine. It's a perspective uh, that I believe is healthy and it's a perspective that will provide possibilities, not just for us here in the United States, but possibilities for leadership to solve and be able to help to solve some of the bigger, more serious issues down the road. And so here's, here's what, let me re I'll read what Brooklyn wrote. She writes, I discovered this week that people may come from completely different worlds, but we can all find a common language or commonality. And through that, you can begin to build a foundation of relationship. Mm. And doesn't it all start there? Doesn't it all start with that idea of, of nobody cares what you know or what you can do until they know how much you care, mm. right? Nobody, in, in this day and age, this day and age, uh, especially in the United States, but certainly abroad as well, the ability to detect motive and, and, and what people are after has become even greater. And so, so we've got to be coming from that place of, hey, how can we 
create relationship. And then she goes on to say, whether you're a CEO or a FedEx delivery man, whether you're male or female, whether you're in the United States or from Haiti, none of these is better from the other, but they are what people perceive to be differences. The only way to break, and this is to your point on taking, getting outside the comfort zone, the only way to break these cultural differences is by seeking and getting out of our comfort zones. And so, um, you know, what, what she... So good. It is. And so what she did to do this uh, was one of the, the greatest stories, I think, of our trip is she she loves to play basketball. And so we had a bunch of sports equipment and uh, she shows the kid, they can't even speak the same language, but she shows the kid who we're staying with uh, a basketball. His name's Nova. He's 20, He's not a kid. He's 29. Adrian always gives me crap. I call everybody a kid. If you're younger than me, you're a kid. And so, uh, so, so this kid Nova, she shows him a basketball and she says hoop and she kind of makes a hoop, you know, is there a hoop? And, uh, Nova proceeds from there to find materials, a backboard like this plywood, um, this old, old rusty hoop that hadn't been nailed to a backboard and who knows when, and, and then some, some string and, and kind of like this, this mesh net thing. And then he cuts down a tree and then he, by before now they've got a hole in the ground and by within 24 hours, there's a basketball hoop (laughs) in this, in this little patch of grass in Haiti and we're playing horse. And, and it was, it was so incredible to see. And here's what she says to that point. This week I learned that when we step out of, step out and get uncomfortable, greatness is on the other side. If I would have stayed comfortable and just let people do their thing and settle with keeping to myself, I wouldn't have gotten the chance of discovering the joy of finding a commonality and building relationship with Nova. (laughs) And, and I, you know, and so let me read. So that's, that's, that's 22 year old, uh, Brooklyn, here's a 22 year old named Nick and, and Nick had, had never done anything, um, like this either. And, and here's what, if I can find it. Here's I, lo- what, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Well, let me, let me find Nick's. We're probably going to have to edit this. Sorry, Tyler. Um, here's what Nick says. After the last night we spent together, I just keep thinking of this quote from J.R.R. Tolkien. And although it was from Lord of the Rings, I can't help but think of the Haitian people when I read it. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes, a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadow shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crown less again shall be king. Haiti, here's what he goes on to say. Haiti and its people work hard and have more love for each other and God. See, work harder and have more love for each other and God 
than any other culture I've ever experienced. The hurricane and earthquakes that shook their beautiful cities, of course, doesn't glitter, but their people are strong and their love for God will never wither. And his prayer, which I'm, I really would love to take forward for this idea of what can be possible in Haiti, is that they will rise from the ashes. It gets dark before the dawn. You know, and and I think in a in a in a long term perspective, on on a culture, or on a nation, or on a family, or on an organization, or on a people, or on a person. And we talked about this just a little bit ago. This idea of just keep swimming. <laughs> the Haitians give a totally different view to me of what it means to just keep swimming. Like the things that we just keep swimming here in the United States about, the things that, that they're just keep swimming about is survival. They, it's, it's kind of that hierarchy of needs. Uh, there is not a, there's not an opportunity to, to really contemplate overly, you know, whether or not uh, something needs to be done. Everybody is just working together to get it done. And everybody has an idea of what it takes to survive given their current situation. But man, let me report to you. The people of Haiti have great hope. They have great hope for the future. And we would translate and I would ask a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Doctor. I want to be a doctor. Why? Right? This is just back to what's your mission. Well, why do you want to be a doctor? I want to help people. Right? And, and, and across the globe, where I really draw the greatest hope from is, is from children. I believe that we have a responsibility. I'm not putting it on the kids to, to solve the issues that have been created um, in, in, in this world that are tough and difficult to solve. But I do believe that kids have a fresh set of eyes and have a, a sense of possibility and of hope that is uh, encouraging. And so we spent time with the kids. Like they play soccer barefoot with rocks and and sticks and all kinds of things on the ground that, that we would cringe at. People would be like, oh, man, ooh, ooh, what, what are you, whoa, whoa. <laughs> And you know what? I didn't see one kid cry. And we played no limit soccer. <laughs> More people on a trip got hurt than kids. <laughs> they, 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 I mean, like this idea of, um, like we talk about, this idea of the mentality of what is possible. Like what is possible for the human mind like what is possible for us to actually perform these kids put that on another stage hmm. it was unbelievable yeah i love you, that and, and people gotta see that so this idea of don't go on a mission don't, that you would deprive yourself of that possibility you know As, i think a lot of it is you're humanizing you're humanizing the situation and you're humanizing people that are you know farther away from you people that are 
maybe misunderstood by yourself. I, I mean, I feel like I totally, totally was had zero clue around um, the way people lived in countries outside of myself. And the first time that I traveled to a third world country, kind of outside of Mexico, I guess, the first time that I did that, um, I went to Morocco with my mom. And I think at that point, I realized that there is there is a huge world out there and there are so many people and everyone is trying to do the best that they can. And everyone is, people are thriving in their own environment. They are. And I love, I love that perspective that instead of saying we want to go help people, we want to go see people thrive. So, so my friend Tim from uh, a company called good deeds mortgage. And by the way, if you haven't heard of it, look into it Uh, for every dollar of revenue they receive, they give a dollar to charity. It's awesome. And, uh, and look into it, but here's what, here's what Tim had to say. The country of Haiti is poor with limited jobs, education, opportunity, medical care, infrastructure, and resources. We certainly should not, not ignore the physical needs. However, it's ignorant and arrogant to think that we can, or even should save them from their plight. And I just love the harshness of that. And I think he's totally right. It's arrogant and ignorant to think that we can or even should save them from their plight. They're beautiful people in a beautiful country that they love and are proud of, you know, and, and that's just kind of the totality of my takeaway from this time. And my takeaway from the idea of going abroad leaving the United States of America, certainly going to leave some of the comforts that we have physically and going to a place that, that stretches us and, and to make, to work, to be very attuned in the idea of learning and building relationships. And so, um, my takeaway really from this time and that I'm going to translate into our world here and and at home and in our organization and and with people that uh, I have the chance to get in contact with is this idea of faithfulness, this idea of staying the course, this idea of persisting in doing the right thing over and over and over and over and over again and not becoming uh, discouraged by outside forces by negativity by things that don't or couldn't shoulda woulda gone my way but continuing to apply faithfully with what we have been given how can we best use those things to create community and love for one another and that we can help one another achieve our hopes and our dreams. That's really what I'm taking away from this time is, 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 is how can we help each other to realize one another's hopes and dreams? Because I believe everybody has a mission like we talk about and everybody has a purpose and everybody has a value and everybody has talent and everybody has heart and soul and how do we faithfully and, and selflessly tap into that one 
thing at a time. Mm, I love that. I love how you were alluding to community earlier in our chat. And I just love, I love that idea that we are all looking for a community and we all, yeah, we all have a community that we're trying to join and be a part of. And this one too, we're creating community right here. Yeah. Be faithful in that. Let's go. Yeah. Be faithful in that consistent and, and, and continue to press on into that. Love it. So good. Okay. Let's do our, our top four quote of the week. Okay. All right. I'm going to jump back into Judah's quote, our pastor. Um, Okay. Judah Smith in the process of helping others, your soul will be changed. Um, So this is the one that we had chatted about earlier. And I love, I just love that thought that there's are there are a million ways to help and serve each other and to help and serve others. And I love that, that idea that your soul is going to be changed when you're helping. No question. Being a helper. No question. Just do it. It's awesome. Good. Okay. And then our kid quote of the week. Um, This one comes from Olive, who is a lovely, spicy, darling three-year-old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, she comes to me and her new quote or her new um, new little phrase that she says to me is I'll ask her to do something and she'll say no can do then what do you say <laughs> sometimes I come back with yes can do <laughs> but I love her ability to be able to say no right away which comes I think easily for three year olds they learn that quickly um, but I think that's something that we forget sometimes is that we're allowed to say no yeah. so that we are able to pick our best yeses and say the correct yes. And so I love that she has a good reminder for me. No can do. Yes, can do. <laughs> love it. Um, okay. And then what is something that you are loving right now? Well, I'm loving being home. Uh, it was a long flight. Uh, it was a long, long trip back. And uh, I love that the girls stayed up late and you let them stay past their bedtime last night so I could see them. Uh, I've really had very little contact to the outside world. So um, just the fact that uh, you took such great care of our family and and uh, and that everybody's healthy and 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 doing well, uh, you know, being away and uh, without communication for for over a week uh, was a long stretch. And I, I'm loving being home. We had a great walk today. The weather has been beautiful today. Uh, it's been a little more crisp than 85 in the Caribbean, but I love being home. I am loving having you home, Mm. which jumps right into my learning. What am I learning? Um, honestly, (laughs) it's been a a good place to start. (laughs) It's been a rough week with John being gone. Um, so I'm learning a lot about just my internal voice and it actually spurred on our topic for next week. So, which we are really excited for. <laughs> so next week we're going to chat. Do not miss next week. We're going to chat a lot more about um, just your internal internal voice, the words that are happening inside your brain, because I learned a lot about this when he was gone. <laughs> yeah. What are you learning, John? That's awesome. You know, I'm learning that it takes motivation to get to where you want to go. You know, on this podcast, we've talked about, you know, what's your mission? We've talked about goal setting. We've talked about habits. Success is a habit. We've talked about persistence. Don't give up. You know, we've talked about a number of of both mental and execution strategies. I believe it takes 
motivation to really get to the next level. And so I would encourage and press into and in my world and really audit the people that you uh, are around and are they encouraging you to move forward to the things that you hope and dream for or are they uh, providing uh, negative uh, or resistance and to quickly change those things so that you can have the people it means you have you have less but they're all all in man that's awesome mm-hmm. you know Lou Holtz said I'll take one guy who's committed and all in over a hundred people that are interested and so I want people who are all in and and I want to be a guy that's all in mm. so be mindful of of who's around and realize that man we haven't talked a lot about it but the motivation that is provided not just internally but by your environment is really going to matter yeah for sure that's a great segue to next week so tune in next week because we will definitely dive into more more into that all right friends thank you so much have a great week let's go special thanks to our production crew fireland filmworks and our photographer the morgan taylor Thanks so much for listening to the Love the Process podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Instagram, and YouTube. Please subscribe, share, comment, and follow along on our journey of loving the process. Let's go!